Hello, my name is Andrew Laposha, and welcome to the Twilight Years. On today's episode, we will be discussing the death and final years of TV host Ed Sullivan. Ed Sullivan began his career in the 1920s as a popular columnist for the New York Daily News, but he really made a name for himself as an entertainer and seeing and producing vaudeville and radio programs. Fame came knocking on his door in 1948 when CBS asked him to host a new variety show called Toast of the Town. After several years, it was eventually renamed The Ed Sullivan Show. For the next 23 years, the show became a Sunday night staple in homes across America, becoming the longest-running television variety show ever. Anyone who was anybody appeared on The Ed Sullivan Show. Comedians, musicians, animal acts, novelty acts, opera singers, and even the biggest rock and roll acts were there. Elvis Presley and the Beatles famously jump-started their career from their appearances with Sullivan. As successful as the show was, Ed himself really did not do much. He had little to no personality. On most variety shows of the day, the hosts would often sing, dance, and participate in sketches. But Ed rarely did that. He just stood there and introduced the acts. Comedian Fred Allen once quipped, Ed Sullivan will be a success as long as someone else has talent. And he was quite an awkward host, too. He would sometimes mispronounce the names of acts, get information about them wrong, or even call them by the wrong name. And there were censorship issues. Ed Sullivan was often a compassionate and supportive host, but he was a man of high morals as well. He once asked the Rolling Stones to change the lyrics for their song, Let's Spend the Night Together. He banned the doors from the show after they used the word higher in one of their songs. He blacklisted comedian Jackie Mason for several years because Ed thought he made an obscene gesture. He didn't. The most famous example was when he asked that Elvis Presley only be shown from the waist up because of his suggestive dance moves. Despite all his shortcomings, something about it really worked, because The Ed Sullivan Show was a ratings blockbuster and it was beloved by people of all ages. During the 1968-69 season, the show's ratings were faltering. The ABC crime drama The FBI had overtaken Ed's show in the ratings after being on the air for a few years, and Ed's performance wasn't what it used to be. He had always come across on the show as being absent-minded, but now it was looking like he was showing signs of senility. He seemed shaky. Those who knew Ed and worked closely with him knew he was suffering from Alzheimer's disease, but it was never officially diagnosed. Ed had always had a strong hand in the production of the show, but now he was relying heavily on his son-in-law, Bob Precht, who was an executive producer. In fact, without Precht, the show probably would have ended long before it did. Ed's hairstyle, which had remained the same since the 20s, was also slightly changing, growing sideburns, and the normal black hue was becoming more auburn. The show was starting to change as well. The show's production values were becoming more modern, which made Ed seem even older than he was. The show's theme music was sounding more like an orchestral rock number. The set design became more colorful and elaborate as well. It didn't look good on Ed. In an attempt to improve the ratings, Preck decided to produce more traditional specials, but it didn't help. The show's audience had grown more older during the past few years, despite the presence of rock acts and edgy comedians. The older viewers were not interested in watching changing trends. More troubling news came Ed's way in the spring of 1970. CBS was beginning to cancel traditional variety shows that were still successful, like the shows hosted by Jackie Gleason and Red Skelton. Television was changing. Shows were being made to appeal to a more urban audience, the 18-34 to 34 age group. The Ed Sullivan Show had always tried to have an appeal towards a younger audience, but it also tried to please an older audience too, and that was the problem. 
For younger viewers, watching The Ed Sullivan Show meant having to spend an hour with their parents. They didn't want to have to sit through old-time entertainers in order to eventually watch their favorite rock acts. And to them, Ed himself was the stereotypical square. Likewise, the older viewers who loved Ed didn't like when the show tried to reach out to the young crowd. During a CBS network meeting to discuss the 1970-71 season, Ed's show and the declining ratings were brought up. They didn't know what to do. They were scared to cancel Ed because he did have a major following. They also didn't have a replacement ready to go. As a result, the show would live to see another season. The Nielsen ratings at the beginning of the new season did not produce good results. Many agreed that if Ed was in the right mental state, there's a chance that he would have been willing to adapt to a change in the show's format. The only thing keeping the show afloat were tributes to Broadway and Hollywood. Because the show was losing younger viewers, there seemed to be no use in booking rock musicians anymore. A common belief for the decline in the show's rating was that the format was exhausted, as was Ed himself. They were always trying too hard to please everyone. Ed's mental capacity wasn't getting any better either. One time, a reporter who was visiting the set asked Ed his age, and he blanked, having to turn to a staff member for help. One Sunday afternoon, Ed, who had once had a strong hold on the production of the show, had to ask his secretary, who was on the show that night. As the 1970-71 season progressed, ratings continued to slip. To appease older viewers, Bob Preck produced a special dedicated to the work of Richard Rogers, which was a kind of program that would have saved the show in the early 50s, but it didn't work. It was losing badly in its time slot. When the ratings for the 80 or so primetime shows came in, The Ed Sullivan Show ranked at number 43. The staff knew the show wouldn't last much longer. Ed didn't think so. He was holding out hope he'd reach the show's 25th anniversary. In March 1971, Precht received a call from Bob Wood, the president of CBS TV. Wood told Precht that changes were going to be made. With the recent success of sitcoms like All in the Family and The Mary Tyler Moore Show, they wanted to continue to cater to younger urban viewers. He then said that The Ed Sullivan Show would be canceled. Preck called Ed and broke the news to him. Ed was crushed. He felt that the network's management had no respect for him and all he did for CBS over the years. A letter was written to CBS head Bill Paley in an attempt to overturn the cancellation, but it was no use. As a consolation, Wood offered eight 90-minute Ed Sullivan specials. That didn't matter to Ed. There was talk that for the final show, they would do a big final episode. Ed didn't want to do that. Doing so would make it seem like he was admitting he lost the show. For the rest of the season, reruns were shown, with the last new show airing on March 28, 1971. Reruns ran until June 6, when the show was formally canceled. CBS was bombarded with letters protesting the cancellation. Ed was heartbroken. The show had been his identity, and now he had nothing to look forward to every week. If you're like me and you wanted to start a podcast, but were not very tech-savvy, you wouldn't have known what to do. Then I heard about Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That summer, a reporter from Show Magazine interviewed Ed at his apartment in New York. The reporter noted that Ed seemed to be feeling nostalgic, but sad as well. He said he felt empty. He missed the thrill of going out and presenting to an audience. He also missed meeting celebrities and going out to dinner after the show. He was also in denial that the show was over. 
Ed admitted that the viewers were tired of the same old routine. He wished that he had done something to switch up the routine as ratings decline. However, Ed was still holding out hope that his specials would be successful enough that CBS would change their mind and give him the show back. When he was in radio, a similar thing had happened. The problem was that Ed was a lot younger then. To help keep Ed occupied, he put more time into his column for the New York Daily News. In September, Ed appeared on The Flip Wilson Show. Flip's show was the first successful variety show to be hosted by a black performer. For the show's first two seasons, it was one of the highest rated shows on TV. Flip owed a lot to Ed, having appeared on his show as an up-and-comer 12 times. During Ed's appearance on the show, Flip joked that Ed had to appear on his show 11 more times. Ed performed in two sketches, with Flip and Lucille Ball. Ironically, the last time Ed had appeared in a comedy sketch was with Ball. In the first sketch, Flip played Charlie Brown, Lucille Ball played Lucy, and Ed played Snoopy dressed as a World War I fighter pilot. In the second sketch, Flip played his signature drag character Geraldine. Flip and Lucy played two women vying for the attention of an elderly hipster played by Ed. The clothes Ed wore in that sketch made him seem very out of his element, and it showed he was past his prime. Despite this, his performance was praised by critics. Ed soon became in demand to appear in commercials. One he did was for an antacid, which was strange because he always had an ulcer problem, and antacid never seemed to help him. Those close to Ed knew he was only doing the commercials to help stay relevant. They were embarrassed for him. In the months following his cancellation, the same critics who criticized Ed were now bemoaning the show's loss. A critic for the Cleveland Press stated, What goes next? The Bill of Rights? The Gold Standard? Just four months after the Ed Sullivan show ended, a special aired called The Sullivan Years, A Kaleidoscope. The show featured Ed presenting highlights from his show over the years. Even though the format was simple, the special dominated its time slot for that night. Despite his show being off the air, he stayed active for the next few years. He hosted an awards show in Las Vegas for CBS called the Entertainers of the Year Awards, which placed just behind All in the Family the week it aired. He also became abbot of the New York Friars Club. At a Friars Club roast for Don Rickles, his segment simply consisted of him saying fuck you to Rickles, which brought down the house. At a testimonial dinner honoring Carol Burnett, he gave a speech talking about Texas, the state where Burnett was born. It was all the speech consisted of. After his speech, comedian Freddie Roman commented it was great seeing Ed at a dinner for Texas. A special aired in February 1973 called Ed Sullivan Presents the TV Comedy Years. The special was aimed at older audiences and presented clips from classic comedians. It did well in the ratings, too. They had finally found a format that worked, programs that catered to a specific audience. The following month, another special aired that paid tribute to Broadway acts that had appeared on the show. However, the day it was to air, March 16th, tragedy befell Ed. A few days earlier, his wife Sylvia checked into Mount Sinai Hospital for a routine procedure. All of a sudden, her aorta ruptured and she died that morning. CBS News broadcast the announcement of her death just before the special was to air. Ed was devastated by Sylvia's death. They had been happily married for over 40 years, and now with both her and the show gone, Ed felt he no longer had anything to live for. She had always been helpful as his Alzheimer's progressed. Many agree that Ed lost his will to live after her death. Ed kept busy with his newspaper column. According to one account, the Daily News was trying to slowly ease him out of that job, but Ed's assistant, Carmine Santulo, convinced them to let him stay. He had always been a loner, but now he was becoming even more of one, often going to restaurants by himself. 
Even though he wasn't in a great mental state, he still received offers. In fact, he was asked to emcee the Entertainers of the Year Awards again in January 1974. Bob Precht and John Moffat, who was a director on The Ed Sullivan Show, were both producing the show. They agreed that they should tape Ed's segments in advance, in case he couldn't handle doing so in front of a live audience. As they rehearsed the night before, Ed was fumbling his lines. Precht and Moffat agreed to stop, and they'd do the best they could the following night. When it came time to do the actual show, he was more like his old self. In May 1974, Ed was hospitalized for complications from an ulcer condition. He was discharged at the end of the month, but was told to come back for daily visits. However, he started to skip appointments, usually making only one a week. Even though Ed had never been a religious person, he was seen praying at St. Malachy's Church. On September 6th, Ed checked himself into the Lenox Hill Hospital. An x-ray showed that he had inoperable esophageal cancer. The doctor told his family he did not have much longer to live. His family made the decision to not tell him of his condition. They knew that if they told Ed he was dying, it would darken his mood. It was good they never told him because he was in good spirits until the end. He thought he'd get better. Ed stayed in the hospital for five weeks. Bob Precht and his wife Betty, who was Ed's daughter, visited regularly. September 28th was Ed's 73rd birthday, and he spent it in the hospital. His family gave him cake and ice cream. Ed was looking forward to going back to work. Actually, he never left work. He was working on his column from his hospital bed. On the afternoon of October 13th, 1974, the Precks received the news that Ed's condition had worsened. October 13th was a Sunday, a night he lived for for 23 years. That night, around 10 p.m., the night the show would normally end, Ed stopped breathing. He had died at the age of 73. The next day, Ed's final column appeared in the Daily News. Ed's funeral was held three days later on a rainy afternoon at St. Patrick's Cathedral. 3,000 people were in attendance, including New York Mayor Abe Beam, former Mayor John Lindsay, boxer Jack Dempsey, comedian Rodney Dangerfield, pianist Van Cleburne, Walter Cronkite, and CBS President William Paley, who called Ed an American landmark. The Ed Sullivan Show will always be looked at as an influential show. In February 1991, CBS ran a special called The Very Best of the Ed Sullivan Show, which became the second highest rated show that week. It helped CBS win the February rating sweep for the first time since 1985. It was so successful, three more specials were commissioned, all of which did well. DVD sets have been released featuring Sullivan appearances from Broadway shows, rock and roll acts, and comedians. Every episode of the show presents a clear snapshot of the popular culture of the day. In short, Ed was an influential TV personality, one of the top of all time. Thank you all for listening to The Twilight Years. Please don't forget to subscribe, and if possible, leave me a review. Follow me on Facebook and Twitter. The links are included in the description of this episode. Do you have anyone you would like to see talked about on this podcast? Let me know and I'll do my best to get to them. Thank you again for listening. My name is Andrew Laposha, and I will see you next time. Thank <laughs> you.